What's going on, guys? On today's episode of Four Quarters, we're going to be talking about my beloved Knicks, okay? We're going to get into what's going on with them. Also, we're going to be talking about arguably one of the greatest players of all time, LeBron James and his Los Angeles Lakers. We're also going to be getting into some of the head-scratching moments that have happened lately in the NBA. Some real aha, are you kidding moments. I went to a Nets game last week. We're going to talk about that. Keep it locked. Four quarters. So it's a Friday night. My boy Kareem hits me up, texts me. He's like, yo, you trying to go to this Nets game? I'm like, all right, cool. What time? It's like, yo, 730. I'm like, bet. So I look it up. I get tickets. They're playing the Bulls. I'm like, okay, you know, this is going to be an easy win. Whatever. I'm down. Get to the game. Almost a packed arena. I'm thinking, you know, this is, uh, you know, like I said, it's an easy, easy victory. That's not what happened. Quarter after quarter after quarter, and the Nets trailed, completely trailed. At one point, they trailed by like 20 points, okay? Now, towards the fourth quarter, you know, fast forward to there, you're going to see D'Angelo Russell just really try to carry the team, put the team on his back, which he did. He had 23 points in 32 minutes, six assists. He just had no help. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things for them. They had Levert coming back from that injury. Uh, he had only 11 points in 15 minutes, which is, you know, not bad for somebody just, you know, just coming back. Allen Crabb had about 19 points. I think the biggest thing for this team is just uh, they're just trying to figure themselves out. You know, they've got some good young guys, some really good, some veteran players on here as well. You're going to see, you know, a lot of miscommunications. You're going to see a lot of dumb stuff, a lot of dumb plays. The Bulls just didn't disappoint. You know, they came into Brooklyn and they rocked the house. Like I said, this was a team that I thought that the Nets could easily beat. Me and my boy, shout out to Kareem. We thought that, you know, our home team was going to win. They just couldn't pull it out. Yeah, it was really, really, really disappointing. So I wish I could get a refund, but nah, I can't. But what I will say is that D'Angelo Russell is probably the brightest spot on this team. And he really, really, really shines every night. He gives it his all. There's not much you can say about this kid uh, negatively. He's averaging 20 points, six and a half assists per game in 29.9 minutes per game. In a recent interview that came out with uh, Bleacher Report, the publication that one of the best things that happened to him in his career was that Lakers trade um, in 2017 to the Nets. He was the second round pick of the Lakers, and he just kind of, you know, was inconsistent. I think in the two seasons with them, you know, he kind of had that uh, that whole situation, the cell phone thing. You know, we won't get into that too much, but um, it's just good to kind of see him, you know, come back from that, and just kind of look forward to to seeing what he can do in the Nets uniform. There's two teams in New York, and the Nets who just got here a few years ago are kind of fighting, you know, to get that hometown stamp. So it's really important to see what they do going forward. And, you know, speaking of New York, uh, you know, I got to talk about my Knicks, man. I got to talk about my Knicks. And Jack reminded me of this. Uh, shout out to Jack. He texted me today. He was just like, yo, the uh, the Knicks have like 17 straight losses. <laughs> and uh, I was like, word, yeah. <laughs> It's crazy. Right now, they are in super-duper last place in the East. The good thing about that is, is that they can get the number one pick. 
uh, if they're lucky enough, they'll at least get like a third pick in the draft. If they're lucky to get number one, just projected, you know, Zion Williamson could be that number one spot guy. The Knicks could ideally get him and that could be a game changer for them. They already have a great core, a great young nucleus, uh, Dennis Smith Jr., a lot of other good young guys get Zion Williamson and you automatically are a landing spot for an attractive landing spot for top tier agents like a Kevin Durant or a Kyrie Irving. So, uh, yeah, continue to lose, guys, whatever. This is another tanking season in the wake of the Kristaps the Porzingis trade to the Mavericks. You know, you kind of just have to continue to just go downhill from there. And uh, just do the worst you can. It sucks. I mean, I haven't really watched the Knicks game in a while because I've been so depressed about it. But just it's just one of those things that just comes with trying to get better. You know, you have a team that historically, and I want to say in the past 25 years, have been really bad. For me, I haven't really seen them get very deep in the playoffs besides a couple years uh, with Carmelo, uh, with, with Amari Stoudemire. The late 90s, you had Larry Johnson and, and uh, those older guys. I barely remember that. I was I was like seven. So, you know, I want to be able to, to see a championship in my lifetime. So we're going to need to make these moves. And unfortunately, right now, we're just going to have to tank the season. So, I mean, with that being said, there are some other players around the league that are really, really shining right now. And one of those guys is James Harden. And he's just just on a roll right now. He's on a tear. I mean, 30 plus points in 30 games. We're going to just continue to see a guy that has nothing to lose. Uh, we're going to see a guy that he has the refs arguably in his pocket. You blow on him, you look him the wrong way, he automatically gets a foul. So he's just unstoppable at this point. You know, he's got that that crazy step back jump shot. You know, he's got that crazy crossover. Um, he can really do anything on the floor. And he probably gets at least 10 free throws a game. So what can you really do with a guy that's just all over the floor like that and just picking up those easy baskets at the line? He's probably averaging somewhere between like 90% from the free throw line or more. So, you know, Harden is, you just got to really pay attention to the type of year that he's having because, you know, sometimes you kind of hear that argument where people will be like, hey, there's no Michael Jordans in the league. There's no... Uh, there's no Allen Iversons, there's no this, there's no that. Right now, we're seeing a crazy, crazy amount of talent in the league, and James Harden is, is at the top of that list. To see these many 30-point games in such a, a short span is unbelievable. I can't remember the last time anybody did that. So, you know, I'm not comparing Harden to Jordan, but he's having a very, very Jordan-esque run right now. And He's propelling his team up the ladder in the West. They had a tough start in the beginning of the season. They lost Chris Paul, and they suffered a few losses there, a few L's. But they just come right back. I mean, Harden has just lifted them. So it's just really, really, really fun to see, really fun basketball. So what I will say about Harden is that I'd like to see some defense. It's like, nah, keep balling, my guy. You're doing your thing. You're almost as good as LeBron James, maybe. Okay? I mean, with that being said, we're going to take a look at LeBron and kind of get into what he's been doing 
in this uh, this season where his young Lakers, uh, with the exception of him, he's probably the oldest guy on the team, he's propelling them to maybe be in the playoffs. <laughs> it's kind of hard to tell at this point. You see LeBron night in and night out just putting up ridiculous numbers. I think he had a triple-double the other night. But it just kind of feels like everything is like in vain. You know what I mean? And I say that to say this, like he's putting up these crazy numbers, but you tried to trade away your whole team, my guy. Like what, (laughs) where did you think you were going to get with that? Um, But one thing I will say about LeBron is that he's continuing at a very high caliber. He's continuing his run of greatness. He is arguably the greatest player in the league in the past 10 years or since Kobe, you know, although he's jumped around a lot, he's still, you know, he's got those championships, got those three rings, you know, he doesn't really have much else to prove after that. You take a team, you know, like Miami, you know, back then when he jumped ship and made or rather like coerced uh, Chris Bosh to come over and uh, you already had Dwayne Wade there. Of course, that was his team. You bring them in and, you know, it takes a couple seasons, but you win a championship, you know, and you win another championship. So if that's not enough, you look at, you know, him with Cleveland and what he was able to do in Cleveland. He's historically had horrible players around him in Cleveland, but he's taken each team to the playoffs, uh, to the finals each year. So it's kind of looking like LeBron right now may miss the playoffs logistically the numbers just aren't there for him right now um, and his team. They're very, very low in the standings right now in the West, a very stacked West, I might add. So it's going to take a lot. It's going to take two LeBrons. <laughs> you know, he's going to have to clone himself or something. I don't know. But the Lakers are, you know, this is probably the worst, one of the worst teams I've seen LeBron on. Lonzo's out right now. He's always hurt. I don't know why he's out right now, but, you know, he's not there. He just got some weird guys around him. Lance Stevenson's always been awkward. He's not a guy you kind of look to him like, oh, man, we got Lance. We're going to do this with Lance. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, So he just he just can't win with this team right now. Honestly, if I were him, I would just kind of like wait it out, kind of sit it out, see what happens. Don't go crazy. You know, your legacy is already cemented. You know, you don't need to put up triple doubles every night. You don't need to dunk on everybody. You can let some some things go on defense. I mean, he's not going to do that. That's just going to tarnish his quote-unquote legacy or whatever the case is. But we just enjoy watching LeBron play at this level. So he knows it. He's got a huge, huge, huge ego, as he should, as one of the best players. You're not going to see him give it up too easily. So shout out to LeBron, man. Keep doing your thing. But you guys are just, it's just not there this year. I don't know if you're going to land anybody in the offseason. I doubt AD is going there. I doubt Kevin Durant goes there. I really don't know who would want to go over there at this point. I mean, maybe Klay Thompson. LeBron has also historically had trouble getting players to kind of come over and play with them. He's had to join other teams here. This is kind of his team, you know. But, I mean, other than Kevin Love coming over when he was in Cleveland, there's really no nobody that was like, yo, I'm going to come play with you, LeBron. You know, I, I want to be here. So 
it's just been really hard for him to to kind of like be that that magnet for talent to come to his team. So um, the offseason is going to be really interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see who he brings over and and what uh, what they're able to accomplish. So good luck, LeBron. Keep trucking. Outside of the amazing highlights we see every night, we also see some really weird things going on in the league. I know I'm not the only one that that notices these things because they're all over the internet, okay? Now, one of those moments came um, from a player named Bradley Beal, who you all should be familiar with. He plays for the Washington Wizards. Uh, This particular time, he took a lot of steps (laughs) <laughs> he took a lot of steps against against the Pistons in this one play. Um, in the fourth quarter, had seven minutes to go. He's driving to the basket, picks up his dribble, takes one, two, three, four, five, six steps, fumbles the ball, goes around the hoop, and throws it right back out. And you guessed it, not a call was made. Not a call was made at all. I don't know if this was a bird box challenge by the referees or mm, I, the Euro step is is being you know magnified somehow. I really I really don't know. But that moment you saw a lot of steps from Bradley Bill and nothing was called. So you got to wonder you know what the refs are are kind of doing. And you've seen a lot of other plays where the refs you know, may have gotten something wrong. And this is absolutely one of those moments. Now, this is another crazy moment. It's not necessarily a bad moment, but the other night on Monday, you saw a bunch of players just do amazing, amazing things. Now, for starters, James Harden, you know, who I've kind of glorified in this episode a little bit, on that night was his 30 for 30, 30 of straight 30-point game. Ridiculous, ridiculous. Outside of him was Russell Westbrook uh, with his NBA record, 10th straight triple-double. You know, he's just a walking triple-double machine. It's just insane what he's able to do in the court. And, you know, you got his his partner, Paul George, you know, with 47 points in a triple-double the same night. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but 47 points in a triple-double seems almost godlike. Can you fathom that? I don't know. It's just really insane. So, I mean, besides that, you got Lou Williams. He had scored 45 points that night. You can't really say that Lou Williams is not capable of that. He's won multiple six-man-of-the-year awards. Um, He's been in precious, precious situations where he's also delivered He's also delivered a lot, a lot of points in a little bit amount of time. So, you know, this from Lou Williams is not too crazy, but these are the the roundups of the craziest things of the night. Not too crazy. Crazy in a good way, but very crazy nonetheless. The trade deadline was a time that just messed up every team's chemistry almost. Every team that was kind of on the chopping block, every team that was looking to land a huge talent, and had a bunch of assets, those teams were walking around on eggshells. Every one of those players, you know, especially the ones that knew they were tradable. Now, fast forward, after the trade deadline, you kind of notice that, you know, some of these guys are playing a little better. 
Some of these guys are a little more at ease. The climate in the locker room is definitely, uh, I would assume, very different. And one example of that, huge, huge example of that, is the New Orleans Pelicans, who did not move their star player in Anthony Davis at the trade deadline. They are now stuck with him for the remainder of the year, and they cannot uh, get anybody to do anything about that. It just is what it is. Now, you got to want to be a fly on the wall in this situation, like in a locker room and wonder like, yo, what are these guys thinking? Like, they almost just lost one of their star players. They almost just had their whole team obliterated and traded away. So what does it look like now? What does the team, what does the team look like from a mental standpoint How do they see themselves going into the rest of the season? Well, here's the answer. The New York Times put out an article talking to some of Anthony Davis's teammates, and they've revealed, you know, their feelings and uh, what they want to do going forward and and how they feel. The Pelicans coach, uh, Alvin Gentry, he said that it's not a new thing that guys demand to be traded, but I thought the timing of it kind of put everybody in a tough situation. He's not the only guy that feels that way. His teammates, Drew Holiday, he went on to say that in this kind of basketball purgatory that his team is in, he, he he said that it's definitely different going forward. It's kind of like, okay, we know that this guy wants to leave. How do we kind of act? And it sucks because AD, his situation, he was in New Orleans for seven years. He gave it his all. He averaged a ton of points, a ton of rebounds, a ton of assists. But at some point, you kind of have to wonder, like, all right, when is it my time? When can I go to the next level? And a lot of these players, AD included, they want that time to be now, you know, when they want it. And rightfully so. He's He was there for such a long time. I mean, it, it's really, you really have to look at management and you got to look at the Pelicans front office and be like, hey, what did you guys do in these seven years, right? You go down, look at the history books, go down the line and look at what they did. It wasn't very much. So they didn't really equip AD with the right amount of talent for him to be able to take the team or help the team to, to a victory or even very deep in the playoffs for that matter. I can't remember a year when they... They even made it to the to the Western Conference Finals. I mean, you know, the West is pretty stacked, but, you know, now that LeBron's in the West, it's kind of like, okay, every team has to really look at itself in the mirror and be like, all right, what can we really do? With that being said, you got to look at AD, where he wants to go over the offseason. You got to look at the Pelicans, what they want to do with him, and what becomes of this whole mess. Because he can't stay there, you know? He can't stay there. There already, you know, there were talks about, you know, the team trying to just sit him down and and not play him, which they could get fined for. They would have gotten fined for $100,000 fine if they started sitting him for no reason. So, you know, and rightfully so. You can't have a talent on the bench and, you know, just not play him. You know, people paying a million uh, dollars for tickets and, you know, you got to see this guy play. So, You know, Pelicans, you guys got to figure it out. AD, uh, it's not your fault that your franchise didn't do anything about it. So on a brighter note, I want to shout out John Wall. He's apparently 
going back to school after his injury, he'll be using his time off uh, as an opportunity to finish college. You know, I don't know what he'll be studying. Uh, yo, get your degrees, my guy. You know, you're sitting out. He's going to be out with that uh, that Achilles tendon that ruptured for, you know, at least 11 to 15 months. So, you know, get smarter. You know what I mean? Like, take a course in stuff that'll make you money outside of athletic stuff, you know? So, shout out to John Wall, man. Not letting that injury stop you. I'm really feeling that. Well, that's it. We're going to stop it right there. Four Quarters Podcast. Uh, You can find us on all streaming services. You can follow me at Drew Goes In on Instagram. You can follow our network of podcasts in which this podcast is a part of, which is Cesspool Network. Um, You can follow Cesspool Network at Cesspool Network. (laughs) 